Hello and welcome to the Jumbo Package NFL Podcast. I'm Sonny Giuliano, and I am being joined, as always, by my co-host, Paul Michael Clark. Paulie, how you doing, my friend? We're doing good, buddy. We're doing good. How about yourself? I'm great, man. I'm, uh, I'm recording this at Maria's house. This is the first time that I've ever recorded a pod either not at home or at college. So just getting used to the different sort of feel of the messy bedroom, which is a direct opposition to my very neat bedroom. I don't have the candle lit next to me, which is a little bit different. I usually have a candle lit to get kind of a feng shui vibe uh, <laughs> ahead of each podcast. So I'm in, uh, I'm in foreign territory, so we'll see how this thing goes. But um, yeah, the week seven podcast, uh, crazy that six weeks in the NFL season are already behind us. Um, hey, I've been meaning to ask you, we, uh, this is generally around the time that we start sprinkling in some college football analysis into the podcast. Who's your title favorite right now? Oh, man, it's tough. I mean, that, you know, you, you look at them top teams and, and they all look pretty good. I mean, it's just amazing to me that Clemson keeps winning and somehow keeps dropping in the polls. Like, I mean, it's, I know they're not the, the level of competition they're playing isn't as great, and uh, maybe they haven't looked as good. But man, tough, tough to watch, tough to be the national champ and never lose a game and just keep dropping in the polls. But you know, LSU's offense looks really good. Uh, Alabama, of course, Ohio State's looks solid. Uh, you know, there's there's some good football teams this year. Yeah, this is the time of the year where the conference schedule starts kicking in and we really start seeing which teams are legitimate contenders and um, which teams are eventually going to fall out of the title picture. It does feel, though, like, I don't know, maybe maybe this is the case every year and I'm just misremembering, but it does kind of feel a little more open than it normally does. I don't know if that's just the case because – as you said, Clemson has kind of been pushed a little bit here and there. Um, Alabama has even shown a little bit of vulner- vulnerability for them. I mean, they're, they're winning these games mostly in blowouts, but there are some games where teams are keeping it close for a half. Um, and then you have the Ohio State, the Oklahomas, who are very good. And as you said, LSU um, finally has an offense. They have a quarterback. That's kind of been the big hang-up for them even since the Les Miles era. Um, I'm sticking with Clemson, though. They're my preseason pick. I don't see any reason to go against the defending champions. I I still have yet to see them play a game where I felt like they played their best game. Um, I think that that's coming. Uh, But, yeah, you know, obviously there's not a ton that we need to talk about right now, but mid-October is generally the time where we start really – narrowing our focus onto these top teams in college football and figuring out who um, who's going to end up being playing in the playoffs. So I was curious, we, we hadn't talked about it much beyond your Florida Gators who suffered their first loss last week at LSU. Um, we hadn't you know, talked about they, it much. I thought, I thought they played good, though. You know, they were playing without... They were competitive. Uh, they hung in there. You know, they, they were playing without uh, John Breland, who's their best defensive lineman. You know, he really he leads them in sacks, tackles for loss. Um, you know, another one of their starting defensive linemen got hurt during the game. Uh, you know, their defense struggled, but I was happy with their offense. I thought Kyle Trash played good. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he threw an interception late in the game that could have tied it. But on the play, you know, uh, Tyree Cleveland got basically dragged out and there was no call. But. What are you going to do? I, I thought they played well. I thought they, you know, hung in there good. And, you know, I I think they're fine. I'm looking forward to a nice matchup with Georgia here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, now that's that's the interesting wrinkle here. And that, that's kind of what prompted me to want to bring this up on this podcast because that Georgia loss at home to South Carolina was the first real big domino to fall. And, yeah. and this happens every year where we talk about, oh, man, could there be – six undefeated teams heading into the, the conference championship games. And, you know, could all four teams in the playoff be undefeated? And it hardly ever works out that way. Um, we do a very good job of talking ourselves into that being the case. And I think everyone um, had probably penciled in an undefeated Georgia versus undefeated Alabama for the SEC championship. 
But now that Georgia looked vulnerable losing at home to unranked South Carolina, that kind of opens the door for your Gators to to maybe represent the East, and then you never know what happens in the SEC championship game. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll keep a watchful eye on what's going on in college and, you know, carve out a little bit of time uh, as the season goes on, as we can start to eliminate some of these NFL teams who are mathematically out of playoff contention and we just kind of lose interest in. Um, we'll do a little more college here and there. But I'd like to try something a little bit different today. I want to hold off on the shitty teams club in the top six until the end of the podcast, but I do want to get into the weekly worst right away because, my goodness, this week's nominees, this was like the equivalent of the best picture category at the 1994 Academy Awards when you had Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Lion King should have been nominated, but it wasn't. That's neither here nor there. Um, That's what this field for the weekly worst was like. There were, as I counted, five legitimate contenders, all of whom were top 10 NFL draft picks. Um, I'm sure you... you, I believe now four or five-time Weekly Worst Award winner James Winston was one of them for his five interception, one fumble loss gem that he, he put together in London. Um, Josh, his, Rosen. Josh Rosen. Josh uh, Rosen. 15 for 25, 85 yards, two interceptions. He was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who almost led the Dolphins to their first win after he came into the game. Um, Marcus Mariota. Mariota, the man who was drafted right after Jameis Winston. Seven for 18, 63 yards, two interceptions, a 9.5 passer rating. Uh, benched for a one-time weekly worst award winner, Ryan Tannehill. Uh do you care to venture any more guesses who the other two nominees I have are? Jeez. Uh, who are they? Uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. 22 for 37, three interceptions. He has 11 interceptions to only five touchdowns on the season. Um, he has the 31st best completion percentage, the 32nd best passer rating in the league. Um, and then Jared Goff, who yeah. was completely overwhelmed by that 49ers defense that you love so much. Um, sneakily, he's been pretty below average for his last 14 games, including the three that the Rams played in the playoffs last year. Um in only three of those last 14, he's had a passer rating better than 100. In only five of those 14, he's had a completion percentage better than 60%. He has fumbled the ball 14 times in those 14 games. He has 15 interceptions, and the Rams record only 8-6. and six. So, look, I, putting our biases aside, we, we have you know long on the podcast talked about how we don't like James Winston. We don't think that he is a franchise quarterback. He has legitimate competition in this week's Weekly Worst. This is this is a a five person pool that it, it's as deep as I've ever seen a weekly worst award nomination pool. Um, part of me wants to give it to Baker Mayfield just because we it would be sort of a stamp on how bad he's been for the first six games of the year. But I keep coming back to Marcus Mariota, yeah, who had a few throws that were so bad in that game that you'd be disappointed if, like, an average college quarterback missed them. Um, And, and again, he was benched for Ryan Tannehill, who was basically ran out of Miami um, because he was so wildly mediocre. So I lean Mariota, but I'll leave – if you want to make an impassioned pitch for for any of the other four nominees, we're going with Mariota then. Yeah. Um, and and it looks like he might be done. I don't know. I mean, he not only was he benched in the game last week, but now Ryan Tannehill was named starter for their game this week. So that yeah. might be it for Mariota. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Marcus Mariota, take this as your parting gift. 
your your stay in in Nashville was unspectacular to say the least. Congratulations. Good work. All right. Uh, we have four teams on a bye, so 14 games this week. Uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, they're all two and four. And then Carolina. I want to talk about Carolina, though. Are we buying them as a, a pseudo-NFC contender? I mean, they've been pretty good since Kyle Allen's, you know, stepped in at quarterback. Now they see James, or, uh, Cam's getting healthy, and the uh, question is, what happens? You know, does Cam come back in and, and you know, get his job back, or, or do they stick with a hot hand? Tough, tough question. It's tricky because you've invested so much in Cam Newton. He's a former MVP. He he has taken you to a Super Bowl. You know what he looks like when he's right. And and as good as Kyle Allen has been, he is not what Cam Newton was when he was right. I mean, Cam Newton, he was one of the biggest stars in the NFL. He was a deserving winner of the MVP. Um, but the question is, is he going to be right? He has been in the league now for, what, eight years? Um, he's had a number of injuries. He's routinely banged up. Uh, we don't know what a guy like him, someone who moves around a lot as mobile can take off and run, how a foot injury affects him long-term moving forward. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I do – I look at this Panthers team, and I like what I see in a lot of different areas. We we gushed about Christian McCaffrey last week. Um, their defense has been spectacular over the last four weeks. I mean, they they have been terrific. And I'm not sure if I've made this point on the podcast before, and you know how I feel about Brian Urlacher. He was my first favorite NFL player. But watching Luke Keekley play is like watching Brian Urlacher at his peak. It's unbelievable. He's so athletic, so smart. He's never out of position. Um, it's just a treat to watch. And there's just a lot I like about this Panthers team. But as you said, the thing kind of looming over all of this is what happens with Cam Newton when he is healthy enough to return. Do you think he just gets the job back, no questions asked, when he's good to go? Yes. Yes, I do. And what kind of effect, if any, do you think that has on Carolina? It's, it depends on how Cam plays. You know, if Cam comes yeah. back to be a Cam, I think it's fine. You know, if he comes back and, and he's not, you know, if he's not good, then 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 they got some, you know, then they got some problems. Right. Uh, the other issue is the schedule here. It's not super favorable. I mean, they they have they've got Tennessee on the schedule. They've got two against Atlanta. They have a home game for Washington. If they take care of those four, that gets them to eight wins. The other six that they have on the schedule, though, at San Francisco next week, they've got two games against New Orleans. They're at Indy, at Green Bay, home for Seattle. That's rough. That's a rough yeah. six games. And they're sprinkled amongst the ten. Um, but you you kind of feel like they have to get at least two of those um, – at least two of those six, and they need to clean the slate with the other four. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, but, yeah, they're on a bye along with Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay. Um, so 14 games on the schedule. We have a whopping six games different this week. Um, let me pull up the standings. For whatever reason, I don't have them in my notes. So we tied last week. We were both eight and six. So the season series at the moment, I am up three weeks to two weeks. We have one tie. I am one game ahead of you in the overall record standings. So still very knotted up. One of us could take a commanding lead if uh, we, we hit on all six of these games different. And the first one that we have different is Thursday Night Football. The four and two... Kansas City Chiefs visiting the two and four Denver Broncos. Kansas City has lost their last two. Denver has won their last two. 
So look, we we talked about this last week. There there's a blueprint to beat Kansas City. Um, if you can run the ball effectively, if you can control the time of possession, if you can limit their big plays, you've got a really good shot to beat the Chiefs. Now that doesn't just apply to Kansas City. That's kind of a basic blueprint. Um, but to you, I mean, it, I'll say to me, it's starting to feel like this. But to you, is it? It's starting to feel like the Chiefs might end up falling into that early 2000s Colts category where they're just fantastic offensively and so explosive and fun, but they're fatally flawed in this one specific way where they might not be able to get over the hump? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the Colts went in there a couple weeks ago and kind of showed everybody, you just play keep away. You know, you just run mm-hmm. the ball up the middle, keep the ball away from Mahomes, and, you know, you could beat them. I mean, and, and Houston basically did the same thing last week. I mean, Deshaun Watson made play after play you know, with his feet and with his arms. And Mahomes gets the ball, and they press because they think they got to score every time they get the ball. And granted, it was Tyree Kill's first game back. He 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 played really well. I think they're really missing Sammy Watkins. Um, Travis Kelsey's been, been good, but I kind of even thought he'd be better than he is, have a better year than he's having. Um I, I don't know. I, I think Mahomes is a little banged up too. That you know, I think that ankle's bothering him a little more than than we know. But mm-hmm. you know, I I think going into Denver, I think Denver's defense they they played them tough last year in Denver. I think Denver's defense is going to be able to slow them down. Denver's got a decent running game with with Lindsey and uh, Royce Freeman, and uh, I, I think Denver pulls the upset. And you're you're so low on Kansas City right now. I looked at this line and I thought, okay, maybe this is just a slight overreaction. I think Kansas City should probably be favored by a little more. Um, so I went with the Chiefs, although I will say I was anticipating this line still being around five, six, seven. If it was in that six and a half, seven range, I was planning on taking Denver, but three – that just felt a little too low for me. Now, the one thing, and I want to make this point, because this was the case with Indianapolis back 15 years ago. It is possible that Kansas City can get in these games and they could, you know, teams could control the tempo and they could limit their big plays for the most part and, you know, you could run the ball effectively. And the Chiefs could still be in the game. They could still steal the game. Um, there was that one famous game, I think it was Tampa Bay and Indy, Monday Night Football, where Tampa Bay had the the ball like double the amount of time that the Colts did, and the Colts still ended up winning. I could be mixing up two Monday Night Football games. Um, But I I look at that that AFC Championship game last year, and that was New England's formula. They they played keep away. And the Chiefs at home, still took that game to overtime despite the fact that the Patriots had the ball for 24 more minutes than the Chiefs did. They're that good offensively, and they, they can score in spurts like that. Um, that. That was last year's Chiefs offense. This year's Chiefs offense hasn't quite looked like last year's Chiefs offense yet. No, you're right, and that's a very good point. But my point is, even with this game against Houston, and Houston this year is not New England last year. It's a different kind of team. My point was that they, the, the Texans had the ball for 20 more minutes in this game than the Chiefs did. And the Chiefs still had the ball late, or had the opportunity late to come back and tie that game. Um, but they, they couldn't get a stop. They couldn't get a stop. You're right. And really, that that's the biggest flaw, is that the defense, the 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 improvements that we thought they would show defensively, even if they were slight, it just hasn't materialized yet. Um, I just I don't think that Denver, even though they can run the ball well, there's going to come a time where Joe Flacco has to make a play through the air. And, you know, Deshaun Watson did that. Jacoby Brissett did that. Tom Brady did that in the AFC Championship game. I just, I just don't trust that Denver will be able to get that done. That's why I went Kansas City. Um, 
All right, Sunday slate. Let's kick things off with your Raiders, who are coming in off a of bye. They're three and two. They are visiting the five and one Green Bay Packers. The Packers are favored by six at Lambeau, where they can we say stole a win on Monday Night Football? Yeah, I would. I would say a little help <laughs> from their friends. <laughs> Is that the correct verbiage they, that they um, stole that one? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, I'm just going. Raiders are two and zero since I started picking against them every week. So of course I'm going to pick against them again. I'm going to take the Packers <laughs> and then pray I'm wrong. Uh, you know, you could I should have just jumped on this like three years ago when you started doing it. it it's a good method. I mean, they I'll gladly take the loss for a Raider win every week. So you know, I, I hey, think listen, I man, think it's I. I I wrote it to a 12 and 4 bear season last year, the most uh, the most uh enjoyable bear season I've had in my life. So I I fully encourage the the hedging your bet plan. Um yeah. when it when it comes to picking games that involve your team. Absolutely. You know the the Raiders had a bye, the Packers played on Monday night. So, you know, I I think they got I think they could go in there and and I mean, I think they got a shot to win, but I'm going to pick Green Bay just for, for that fact, and uh, I pray I'm wrong. That's fine. I'm kind of doing the same thing because I would love to see Green Bay lose. Um, I'm also taking the Packers, although I will say, and, and I've been saying this for weeks now, I am high on the Packers. I think that they're the best team in the NFC. Um, but I, part of the logic for this pick is the fact that, yes, it would be nice if I ended up wrong and ideally wrong in the, the Packers lose outright as well. Um, all right. The 5-0 and San Francisco 49ers are visiting the 1-5, and finally off the schneid, Washington Redskins. The 49ers are a 10-point road favorite. Um, you were very impressed with the Niners win on Sunday at the Rams. Yeah, I, I you know, I really like this defense. They're they're really good. Um, I I don't know how Washington is going to be able to move the ball against this team. I, I just you know they make a few plays offensively, and that's all they need. Because man, these defensive line gets after the quarterback. They create turnovers, and uh, I, I like San Fran on the road. Yeah, th- this is a good game for the the Niners because defensively, they should be able to dominate this Redskins offense. And, you know, as as much as we like the Niners, and I'm definitely coming around on them, that was a very impressive win in L.A., um, their offense has been a little up and down. They, they haven't been consistently great throughout the season. They've, you know, they, they had that five-turnover game against Pittsburgh, Um they they weren't spectacular week one against Tampa Bay. Um, even, even last week, you know, only putting up 20 against the Rams. It's not like they're lighting the world on fire offensively. This will be a good game to bounce back, though, because that, that Redskins defense is no good. Um, I, too, took the Niners. Speaking of the Rams, 3-3, three and three, Los Angeles Visiting the one in five Atlanta Falcons, the Rams are a three point favorite in Atlanta. Um, and I, you know the big news coming out of LA is the fact that yesterday they they traded Marcus Peters to Baltimore, um, a move that immediately made analysts kind of say, "All right, well, what's next?" And then what's next turned out to be the Rams trading two future first round picks and a fourth round pick in 2021 to Jacksonville, who finally shipped away Jalen Ramsey. What's your immediate reaction to that trade? I mean, he's going to help. You know, he's a lockdown corner. But, you know, is that is that where the Rams' problems really stem? I mean, their offensive line's been horrible. They can't run the ball. They can't protect the quarterback. Um, you know, I obviously he's going to help. but. You know, yeah, because we'll that, that secondary had had been picked apart a little you know, bit this year. You know, Talib's hurt. Uh, Marcus Peters just really wasn't what they thought he was going to be. You know, and they picked up. You know, they picked up Weddle in the off season, and it really hasn't been much of a pickup. You know, so 
we'll see. In this game, though, I mean, the Falcons look like they, they're they ready to just, you know, the, the ship is sinking fast. They they packed uh, it in. They yeah, their, it defense, in. their defense is horrible. I think this is a good week for the Rams offense to get back on track. And uh, I like the Rams on the road. Yeah, they're they're going to need a bounce back. And, you know, Gurley was a late scratch for that game on Sunday. I'm not sure how much of a difference he makes in that game, though there was that moment in the second quarter when the game was tied 7-7, and the Rams run it straight ahead three times from inside the two-yard line and end up turning it over on downs. And that kind of felt like the big turning point in that game. And maybe if you have Todd Gurley, you know, you you – punch it in, you take that 14-7 lead, and that game goes a little bit differently. But, you know, as you said, there are a lot of issues for this Rams team that I don't think anyone really saw coming. The the offensive line, um, Jared Goff's inconsistent play, the fact that Gurley is just kind of not in the picture as much as he was last year in the, the first year under McVay. Um, it's just a, a much different team, and that defense is not as good as people thought it was going to be. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I we know how talented Jalen Ramsey is. And in normal circumstances, I, I think that sending two first-round picks away for him, it's probably worth it, especially given what we have seen some teams trading for certain players. I mean, the the haul that, that Oakland got for Amari Cooper. Um, Khalil Mack the same way. And Mack is a different kind of player than Amari Cooper. But, you know, a lot of big-name players being traded for for future picks. Um, I think the price tag was probably fitting for what Ramsey brings you. But then again, it, there's no guarantee that this Rams team, as they're currently constructed, is any better than the third best team in their own division. And, right. and that's kind of the reality that they're looking at. Um, but I'm with you. I think that this is a nice bounce-back game for the Rams. I, I think um, they, they likely cruise heading into Atlanta. Um, all right, the 0-5 Miami Dolphins, who probably squandered their best chance to get a win all season long last week. Uh, they are visiting the the coming off a bye four and one Buffalo Bills, who are a 17-point home favorite. Uh, that's by far the biggest line I, I can recall the Bills having in one of their games where they were favored. Um, I was surprised that you took Miami. Can, can you explain your rationale here? I I just think that that's a lot of points. Too high. I mean, but Buffalo doesn't score a ton. I mean, I don't think Miami's going to be able to score too much, but if Miami gets six, I mean, Buffalo has a hard time scoring. I mean, if you look right. at the Cincinnati game, every game Buffalo's played, they haven't, they don't get to 20. So it's, you know, you're giving up 17, you don't get to 20, it's, I mean, Buffalo's going to win. And if they won by 30, I wouldn't be surprised, but. No, I get it. I I, I get it. I mean, I understand the rationale. And, I mean, you and I, we we poke fun at the Bills often because we're from western New York and, you know, neither of us are Bills fans and we see how fired up these people get. And we are constantly waiting for that other shoe to drop and for this thing to fall apart. Um, and I, I did see an interesting note on Twitter that the last two times Buffalo has began the season four and one, they finished with a losing record both of those seasons. They finished six and ten in 2011, and then seven and nine in 2008. Um, it, it does feel a little bit different with this Bills team, though. It is as inconsistent and uh, uninspired as that offense has been. Um, the defense is probably no worse than the third best defense in the league. And that, that to me is ultimately why I felt comfortable enough taking Buffalo, even if their offense isn't firing on all cylinders, because I can't imagine, A, that Miami is going to be able to move the ball consistently against them, and B, that the, that the Dolphins are going to go without turning the ball over and setting the Bills up in favorable field position to, to pile on the points. Um, 
The only thing that concerns me is the fact that we don't know who the starting quarterback is for Miami, and there is the potential for the Ryan Fitzpatrick revenge game, which yeah. you could just see on red zone them cutting in late and, you know, the, the Bills have kind of been in control and they're up 10, and then all of a sudden Fitzpatrick hits some random Dolphins receiver that we don't even know the name of for a 50-yard bomb, and now all of a sudden it's a three-point game. Um, and it looks like the Bills are just going to Bills. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I just laid it all out, and I wouldn't be one bit surprised if that's how it turned out on on Sunday. But I did go with Buffalo. I, I just think that that defense is so good that they'll they'll prop that offense up enough to cover the spread in the scheme. Yeah. All right. This is a good one. Maybe the best game of the day on Sunday. Uh, the four and two Houston Texans visiting the three and two Indianapolis Colts, a battle for first place in the AFC South. This game is a pick. Now, is this line indicative of a little bit of recency bias? What did you make of this line? Because I feel like I'm missing something. Explain this to me. Well, it's. How do you feel? Like the Colts should be favored? I look. I, I don't necessarily know that I think the Colts are a better team. Uh, you know, I, I picked Houston to win the division. I, I think, gun to my head, I would probably say the Texans are still a better team. Uh, I just thought that the Colts would get the standard three. Uh, coming off a of bye week, they too got a win in Kansas City two weeks ago. To me, it just kind of feels like if those two weeks were flipped and we were coming off a Colts win against Kansas City, we would be looking at a line that said Colts by three. Maybe I'm wrong. That's why I wanted you to explain this to me, because maybe I'm just missing something here. No, um, I, I, I just think, you know, people look at it and they they see – the Sean Watson and Jacoby Brissett, and it's nothing against Jacoby Brissett. I think he's been playing good, but the Sean Watson is man, he's good. I mean, I've no, I know I've raved about Deshaun Watson on this podcast before, but can we just can we just talk about how good this man is at football? He, I mean, we say it all the time, man. We we really do. We, we for for three years now, we've been saying he's the real deal. If if they could just put a, uh, an offensive line in front of him, they can keep him upright. Who knows what his ceiling is? He, yeah, he can make every he could make got good weapons. What's that? He's got good weapons. Yeah, he just need, this needs a little time to throw. Yeah, I mean, and that's the case with every quarterback. That's not that's not specific to him. No. Um, now the one thing I will say, and you know. This is the thing that, that made me end up going with Indy, uh, aside from the line, um, which, I, like I said, I just I thought it was weird. I thought Indy would get the standard three for being at home. To me, these felt like two very even teams for the most part. Um, you know, the Texans' offense has looked right the last two weeks, but, you know, the last two weeks have been Atlanta and Kansas City not exactly the best defenses in the league. And now you're getting a rested, presumably more healthy Colts defense that can give the Texans problems. They went into Houston last year in the AFC wildcard round and won that game largely because their defense was so good. They can do things to limit Deshaun that a lot of other teams can't. And and that's why, you know, that is one of the reasons why I thought this line looks screwy to me. Um, you know, I, I don't remember what game it was either last week or the week before where I asked you about a specific line, and, you know, you said to me it just indicates that someone knows something that, that we might not, that one team might be better than another. And maybe that's what this line indicates. Maybe maybe I should be looking at this and reevaluating how I feel about Indy rather than thinking, all right, that line looks weird. I think it's wrong. But to me, I don't know. I think that this is a close game. I would not be surprised if Houston won. 
but the fact that it's only a pick, I'm just going to take the home team when it's two relatively even teams, in my opinion. Yeah. I took Houston on the road. I just went with Deshaun. That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, let's do quick MVP power rankings right now. I think number one has got to be Russell Wilson. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yes. I think I'd slot Deshaun at number two. Yeah, he's right. He's definitely right up there. It's either got to be Deshaun or Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I would say McCaffrey three, and then probably still Mahomes four. Um, he's still put up big numbers, even though the last two weeks have been down a little bit. Um, but I would, in my opinion, those top three are are a pretty comfortable distance ahead of Mahomes at this point, but, you know, we'll see. It's obviously early. Um, all right, next up, a game that's not nearly as fun. The 2-4 and four Jacksonville Jaguars visiting the 0-6 oh Cincinnati Bengals. The Jags are a three-point favorite on the road. Man, the Bengals are such a garbage football team. Yeah. They, 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 go ahead. Give me the Jags. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that's fine. We can leave it at that. We don't really need to discuss this one too much. No, a, a low line like that, I, I feel comfortable going against Cincinnati. It just it pisses me off because they, they took the opening kickoff back last week against Baltimore, and then they don't do a damn thing for the next 57 minutes of that game, and they end up getting a backdoor cover against the Ravens because Andy Dalton scrambles into the end zone with a minute and change left. It, it's just bullshit. Um, Alright, a better game. The 4-2 and two Minnesota Vikings visiting the 2-2-1 two, two and one Detroit Lions. The Vikings are a one-point favorite in Detroit. Um, again, I you know, I think the conversation about Detroit remains the same as it was two weeks ago when we did our quarter-season power poll. I was very impressed with them in defeat. They they really pushed Green Bay. They, that's a game, as we said, that the Packers probably stole. Detroit should have won that one. You know, other than some bad calls that have gone against the Lions, the Lions could be undefeated right now. They absolutely could. I mean, they got some bad calls in both them games that they lost. They're a pretty good football team. I, I like what Matt Patricia's doing. Uh, a lot of people made fun of him last year at the start of the year. He, he wasn't looking like he was going to be that good of a coach, but he's got some guys buying in. And, uh, I like Detroit in this game. I think they win at home. I, I was one of those people that was making fun of Matt Patricia last year, so I, you know, I can't. I, I I've got to eat my words. He, you know, the, what the Lions have been able to do so far this year, very impressive. Um, they've looked good. I I too took Detroit. You know, my normal my normal mode of picking here would be to pick Minnesota because I'd love to see them lose this game, but Detroit winning doesn't exactly help the Bears either. Um, especially because I'd be more afraid of playing Detroit moving forward this year than I would the Vikings. So, in this game, I'm just taking the team that I think is better and that's Detroit. Um, I will say, though, the Vikings... What do we make of the Vikings? Because they, are, are they just going to be a team that is kind of up and down all year and sometimes it looks really good with the, the run-pass mix and Kirk Cousins will have these games where he's throwing bombs to, to Stefan Diggs and everything looks good and then other games it's just not good? Is that what we should expect from the Vikings this year? I would say probably. I mean, that's the way it usually is with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. I... And, and, you know, that's what makes them a scary team to pick because if they they go in and they're playing like that, they're really tough to beat. But yeah. then it, this could just end up being one of those games where the Detroit defensive line kind of dominates the Vikings' offensive line, and he just has no time to throw, and they can't run the ball, and things just look really, really bad for the Vikings. And, and that's kind of what I'm banking on uh, with this game. So I took Detroit. Um, all right, the two, three, and one Arizona Cardinals visiting the two and four New York 
football giants. The giants are a three-point favorite. Um, this will probably be a fun red zone channel game. You know, a lot of points scored, especially since it looks like Saquon Barkley will be back and ready to go. Um, but I'm glad that this isn't the only game that I have to watch. I'd be kind of upset if, if red zone didn't exist and this game was on TV. I took the Giants at home. As did I. All right, on to the 4 o'clock slate of games. The 5-1 and one New Orleans Saints visiting the 3-2 and two Chicago Bears. The Bears are a three-point home favorite. They're coming off a of bye week. Uh, Mitch Trubisky's status is uncertain, although he did return to practice. Uh, New Orleans is coming off a fourth consecutive win, two of which they scored less than 14 points in. Um, You know, we, we've both been very impressed with New Orleans, uh, how they've managed to to succeed this year without Drew Brees, how they managed to succeed in a way that we aren't accustomed to seeing them win games. Um, what do you make of this one visiting a rested Bears team, um, probably the best defense that they have faced since they they lost Drew Brees? Yeah. Uh, what I'd say is I'd take the under in this one because I don't think, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of points scored against either of these defenses. I, I think both teams will struggle to move the ball. Um, I went with the Saints. I, I just – Kamara and Thomas, I, I just I just think they got a few more weapons in Chicago right now. Um, I wouldn't be one bit surprised if the Bears won, but I think the game's going to be low scoring and close, and I, I just went with the Saints. Yeah, this feels like 13-10 one way or another. Um, I, I, I'm with, I mean, to no one's surprise, I took the Saints in this game. Not only because of the, the implications with the Bears, but just because, look, I, I think that the Saints are probably just a better football team. And it pains me to say that. But, you know, I, I, like, you, like you laid out, Kamara, Michael Thomas, they're just better weapons than Chicago has. The one consistent weapon offensively that they have had this year is Allen Robinson. And unfortunately, Marshawn Lattimore is going to be across from him, and he completely eliminated Mike Evans two weeks ago. He held DJ Chark to only two catches last week. Um, he is excellent. I, I don't know what to expect from quarterback this is a game where the Bears defense is really going to need to win the game for them. They're going to need to make Teddy Bridgewater look like a backup quarterback. And even if they do, they still might blow this game because New Orleans is capable of doing that to the Bears offense. So I took the Saints. All right. Uh, the 2-4 and four, Los Angeles Chargers visiting the 2-4 and four Tennessee Titans. Um, man, what a bummer of a game this is. <laughs> man, you know what really bums me out? So until Andrew Luck retired immediately prior to the season, I originally was planning on leaving the Chargers out of the playoffs. I, I, I was going to have Indy winning the AFC South and Houston getting that last wild card spot. I, I felt like, okay, I need to somewhere go against the green. And maybe picking Baltimore to win the AFC North was that pick. But I, I I just felt like everything went right for the Chargers last year. And they were a team that had consistently dealt with things not going right. And I just kind of felt like it would swing back that way. And that's kind of where we're at here. Um, but then Luck retired. I slotted L.A. back into that last wild card spot. And now it's feeling more and more like, you know, they're they're just not the team that we that a lot of people thought they were. Um, with that said, though, I, I still took L.A. in this game on the road in Tennessee. You took Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Yeah. Chargers lost at home last week to a man named Devlin Hodges. <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, you know, now they got to come to the East Coast. Um, I don't know. They just, they just haven't. I mean, they got dominated at home by Denver really two weeks ago. 
Chargers just don't look good. Um, Titans really don't look good either, but they usually play a little better at home than they do. In a game of, I'm really not fond of either team. I went with the home team. That, that's fine. I I just couldn't get myself to pull the trigger on on Ryan Tannehill with with below average weapons and not a good offensive system. I just couldn't I couldn't talk myself into it. Um, but I, I get it. I, I do. Uh, you know, the, this season is kind of. It looks like it's going to be lost for for the Chargers, so we'll see. Uh, this is a good one. Maybe maybe that Houston-Indianapolis game isn't game of the week. This one might be, depending on how you feel about the Ravens, which uh, we, we know that I'm high on them. So the 4-2 and two Baltimore Ravens visiting the 5-1 and one Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, at the very least, this should be a fun game because you have Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and, you know, I think you are skeptical of Lamar, but even you could probably admit that he is an exciting quarterback, and very few quarterbacks are more fun to watch than Russell Wilson, if any. Yeah, I like I like Seattle at home. I, I think, the, I mean, Lamar runs around and, you know, makes some plays with his feet, but, I mean, he, he can't. He's not a passer. He, he they struggled. They struggled to pass the ball against the Bengals last week. Um, I think Seattle at home. I think they get some turnovers, and uh, I think Russell Wilson just make he, Russell Wilson just seems to make the plays every week. So give me every time you need him. Yeah, give me Seattle at home. Yeah, it's it's amazing that you know Seattle is still a team that is predominantly run, or at least more so than the rest of the league. They, it's like they don't even unleash him until it's absolutely necessary. I, I, just, I, I can't help but wonder what he would look like with a coach like Andy Reid, who just you know is innovative offensively or in a McVay system, or you know, with, with, with someone with some receivers. Sure. Yeah, that's fine too. I mean, just giving him weapons would be would be a good start. Though so I will say, Lockett was fantastic last year. He's been a little bit quiet this year, but is still capable of making big plays down the field. And DK Metcalf, you know, he's a physical specimen. We all knew that, but there were some concerns about what kind of receiver he would be at the next level. He's looked pretty good. Yeah, he is. He is. So, I mean, that's two guys, and you ideally would want him with a little bit more than that. It doesn't help that, that Will Disley is lost for the year with an Achilles. Um, he, he was looking like a really solid weapon at tight end. But you're right, you know, that, that's that been one of the big hang-ups for Seattle is that they just haven't been able for a long time to, to put really consistent wide receivers around Russell Wilson. And they, uh, going along with that, like I said, they, they – they're still a team that is primarily run first. They they don't do a lot of the things the more successful offenses around the league do. But then when they need him to, Russell Wilson puts on a Superman cape and is just awesome. He's really, really great. And, you know, we, we've been doing this podcast for a while now. And, and I know that two years ago, we were talking about how he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league and he didn't get credit for it. Um, so I'm just happy that we're coming around to that now. And everyone is. And, you know, the media narrative, I'm sure if he continues playing like this, will be that he should be the MVP um, to be recognized for what he has meant to this the Seahawks franchise for the last coming up on a decade now. Yeah. I will say, though, I, I do want to make a point about Baltimore. Because I found this interesting. Um, first, you know, we have gone back and forth about Lamar all season long. He was last week the first player in the Super Bowl era with 200 yards passing and 150 yards rushing in a game. It was against Cincinnati. The bar is low, but even still, that, that's an impressive kind of mark to hit. Um, second, 
and you know, I don't know what this means in today's NFL after I just got done ragging on Seattle for, for running the ball so much when you have Russell Wilson, but only eight teams in the Super Bowl era have had more rushing yards through six games than Baltimore does this year. Um, and only one of those six have come in the last 35 years. So again, I have no idea what that means. I, I, I think if, if you are a believer that Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball, the fact that Baltimore can run the ball so effectively is probably a good thing. They're getting consistent offense from somewhere. Um, but I did find those two notes pretty interesting. I'm with you, though. I took the Seahawks in this one. On to Sunday night football. Just a great, vintage, meaningful Sunday night football game. The 3-3 three and three Philadelphia Eagles, the 3-3 three and three Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored by three at home. Um, which of these two teams do you trust more to figure this shit out? Because heading into the year, neither of these teams were anticipating being 3-3 three and three after six. Yeah, give me uh, give me Carson Wentz. I, I like I like uh, Philly, Dallas. Just I don't know they they got some injuries on the offensive line. Amari Cooper's hurt. Um, they, they I don't know. I I I got to go with the I got to go with the Eagles on the road. I they look. Not very good last week, but I, I think they, you know, they get redemption in in Dallas on Sunday night and get the win. Well, that's what Doug Peterson said was going to happen. I mean, I, I don't know how much you trust Doug Peterson, but he said, quote, we're going down to Dallas and our guys are going to be ready to play and we're going to win that football game. And when we do, we're in first place in the NFC East. Yeah. How stupid is it that that people get on coaches for saying things like that? I know. What's he gonna say? That's one of my that yeah, that's one of my least favorite media things. And I'm I'm generally pro media because I like to fancy myself as a sports writer and a podcaster and stuff like that. So I, I like to cut the media some slack. But like like you said, what is he supposed to say? Oh yeah, we might lose this one. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit. It's so stupid. And, and first of all, that he that I I don't know what the question was. I I don't know what the question was that prompted that answer. If it was something along the lines of, "Do you have a prediction for this game?" or "How do you think you're going to do against Dallas?" That's just a shitty question because. What do you expect the guy to say? And then for whoever it was that asked Doug Peterson about, you know, saying that Philadelphia was going to win, again, what do you expect the guy to say? I don't believe me. I know. I it's know. ridiculous. They, they, yeah, I agree. Um, I went with Dallas, though. I did. Just at home, I, I, I picked Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl this year. I... I just the, there there are so many issues there. The secondary they they aren't consistent offensively. I, I never know who is going to be hurt at a given time for them. And like you said, Dallas is banged up right now too. But man, it's like every game Philadelphia just loses somebody who is vital to their success. Um, <laughs> So I I, I just don't know. I I took Dallas. A very small part of it is the fact that I just like the Eagles more. So it's kind of like the the Bears thing that I do. Oh, But but no, I I do think that Dallas probably wins this game. Um, But I'm excited for this one. You know, last week was such a stinker on, on Sunday Night Football. And I'll be completely honest, I watched about a half an hour of that game and then I watched two episodes of Succession with my parents, which was far more enjoyable than I'm sure that football game was. Um, but, I, I, you know, Succession is now over. That was the season finale. It was absolutely unbelievable season finale. Uh, 
and now I'm ready to get back to, to Sunday night football. So this is a great way to, to jump back into it. <laughs> Monday night football. The 6-0 and New England Patriots visiting the 1-4 and New York Jets. New England is favored by 10, heading to New Jersey. Um, that was the Jets team that everyone expected to see all year last week. Um, you know, it, with Darnold back, they, they looked like a competent average to above average football team. Yep. Yes, they did. I, and, uh, you know, I I think I think they keep this one a little close for a while, and and it comes down to the old backdoor cover. Ah, uh, I was wondering why you picked the Jets. Uh, that, that seemed curious to me. But if you're if you're anticipating that this is a kind of game where New England is up by 16, and then the Jets get that late touchdown, yes, that makes sense. I get it. Um, I took New England. I, I'm just at the point where I'm not going to pick against New England because, damn, that defense is so good. They seem yes, to get either a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown every game. Um, so I took, you know, I took the Patriots, and you know that, that's why I wanted to do top six at the end of the pod because. Um, you know, New England is is here, and they're six and zero, and they're heading into New York. Um, we both have them at the top of our top six, but I want to ask you: Are there holes in this New England team that we aren't talking about? Because you know, we talk frequently about the Chiefs issues, and you know, there's still skepticism about San Francisco. Um, you know, there there are question marks with with New Orleans, and you know what what does their offense look like now with or without Drew Brees? Um, does Seattle or Green Bay have enough playmakers on the outside for Wilson and Rodgers to work with? Nobody seems to be asking any questions about New England, but it and as good as they are, it's just hard for me to conceive that they're this perfectly constructed football team that cannot be beat. So, from your perspective, what's New England's bugaboo? What is going to be the one thing that ends up preventing them from winning a Super Bowl if that turns out to be the case? I don't know, because I, I think if you look at look at what their weakness is right now, you'd have to say it's their offense, okay? Right. And why people don't say this is where New England's holes are is because we've seen it every year. Every year, people point out what New England's flaws are, why they aren't going to win, and by the end of the year, it's fixed. That that flaw isn't there anymore. So, sure. I mean, you you see it in each game where their offense sputters for a while, but then you look and Brady's twenty four for thirty seven, three hundred forty yards and two touchdowns. You know, or, or you know, it's just. They they fix things. Things they don't do right, they fix. Not right away, but by the end of the year, by the time they need them to be fixed, they are. And with that defense, the, if if my biggest problem on my team is a Tom Brady-led offense, then I feel pretty good about myself. You're right, and those are all good points. I just... I I don't know. I I still feel like as good as they are, and I I just said that I'm not picking against them. That's the thing. Like I I don't feel comfortable picking against them in a game where they're favored by 10 on the road, by 21 at home, by four on the road against a good team. Like I'll I'll likely just pick New England every game, but they they we we still have to acknowledge the fact that. They, there are ways to probably beat this team. Um, and like you said, you know, the, what makes New England great, aside from the, the obvious facts, it's, you know, Brady at the top, and he's been so good every year, and Belichick is a genius. But part of Belichick's genius is, as you said, they fix things. And that's not just, you know, game to game. That's year to year. Yeah. You know, there were there – were, 
the reason why they they lost the Super Bowl to Philadelphia two years ago was because their defense got carved up in that game. Now they're the best defense in the league. They they lost in the AFC championship game a few years back to Denver because their offense couldn't come through. They scored 18 points in that game. Then they turned themselves into one of the best offenses in the league. They just always find ways to to regenerate and get better and, and make their weaknesses their strengths. Um, and that's why they're at the top of both of our top six. Do you think that they can make it through this year undefeated? I mean, I think they'll probably lose at some point, but... What it's All right, let's do this. Let, let's run through the schedule. They're at the Jets. When? Home for Cleveland. When? At Baltimore. Tough. Win, probably, but tough. By week in week 10, at Philly. Tough. Th- this is the tough stretch. And we've gone over this before. They've got a bye week here, but it's at Baltimore, at Philly, home for Dallas, at Houston, home for Kansas City. They'll lose one of them. Yeah, it, it seems likely that they'll drop one of those games. Um, all right, so we both have them won. Number two, you still have San Francisco? I do. They haven't lost. Looked impressive last week. Love that defense. Give me the Niners at two. I have Green Bay at two. Even though they stole one, I, I still I, I've been high on them all year. I'll I'll still take Rodgers over anybody else in the NFC. Um I have Green Bay. Three. Uh the Saints. I also have the Saints at number three. Uh four. Green Bay. I have Seattle. I, I am still going to slight the San Francisco forty ers I have San Francisco at five. I have Seattle at five. And six. Number six is the interesting spot. Um, where did you go here? I'm, hold on. I, I want to guess. I'm going to guess you said Houston. No. Buffalo? Buffalo Bills. All right. So but Buffalo you think Bills. Buffalo... Is the second best team in the AFC? I think right now they deserve to be ranked the second best team in the AFC. All right, that's fair. I'm holding out hope for the Chiefs. I went with the Chiefs at number six, and I know you'll, that you'll make fun of me for it. No, um, believe me, I, I thought about it. I just two home losses in a row is very unlike the Chiefs. It's tough, and you know it, we we should say that. The winner of that Houston-Indianapolis game this week, as well as probably the winner of the Minnesota-Detroit game, those two winners probably need to be in this mix. Maybe not six quite yet, maybe not top, you know getting into that top six, but at least on the short list of teams in contention. Those are two really uh, big games, games that will – They'll kind of sort some things out. And and that goes for Baltimore at Seattle, too. If Baltimore can go into Seattle and beat a good Seahawks team, a team that I have four on my list, you have five, then we could really start talking about the Ravens as one of the, the teams near the top tier of the league. It would be a big one for them, for sure. All right, shitty teams club, because these teams are shitty, will blow through it. Miami is the president still, right? For sure. Cincinnati, vice president, the only other winless team? Yeah. Secretary, Washington? Washington, definitely. Treasurer, I went Atlanta. They're good treasurer. Yeah, they're good treasurer. They just gave up. Yeah. Um. All right, give us a scoop on Notre Dame. You guys have a big game this Friday night. We do. Uh, you know, we're 6-0. and We go uh, play another 6-0 and team uh, on the road. For the fourth straight year, we're going to Alexander. Um, they're 6-0 and as well, uh, defending sectional champions. Um, you know, we, 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 this, is, this is for it all. I mean, number one seed sectionals, league champs, all that good stuff. 
Um, our our kids are are really focused. Uh, last week in the, in the first half, uh, Jed Reese and Gabe McDonald combined for 19 carries for 396 yards. So uh, <laughs> our our running our running game is on point. Um, it sounds made office. up. <laughs> it, it, it's like a it's like a video game stat. I mean, we we had a we had a, a sequence where Jed had a 70 yard touchdown run, um, or a 60 yard touchdown run called back for holding, and on the very next play, Gabe took it for a touchdown. So it was very nice. It, it was it was um, you know they they played great. I mean, we played a four and one team last week. By halftime, they had four kids under a blanket. Didn't want to play no more. Um, it, it was, um, you know, we really, we still not sure how good we are. I mean, our closest game was our first game. We won 35 to 16. Our other scores were, you know, you, you've seen them. They, they I have. Really, they haven't been <laughs> They've been tremendously one-sided football games. Um, so, you know, we're we're excited to get the chance to go there and, you know, play a good team, well-coached on their home field on their senior night for, for all the marbles. So it, it's good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a, you know, it's going to be on Facebook. So, you know, if you're not doing nothing, you could enjoy it. So hopefully I'll be, I'll be tuning in. So hopefully it's a, uh, you know, a good night for the Irish. Well, I wish you the best of luck. Uh, I'll be watching and rooting you on from, from Florida. I, I'll, you know, it's been fun watching you guys from a distance all year. I'm glad that you know you and Uncle Joe are back on the back on the sideline and coaching a, a really good high school football team. Paulie, yeah, it has been a blast. I am happy to say that the the mood in Maria's very messy bedroom it, it did not throw me off at all. I think we had a very <laughs> successful show here, d- despite the the lack of a candle. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad everything went well for her, even though you're the bedroom is messy. <laughs> She's such a mess. I I love her, but man, just this is it's it's a lot different than my bedroom. I'll just say that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, best of luck on 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 Friday night and to your Raiders on Sunday, and we'll be we'll be talking over the weekend. Have a good day, buddy. All right, you too.